If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. Uh, finishing up our, uh, our time in 2 Samuel, the Lord has allowed us to walk through First and 2 Samuel and look at the life of not only David, but of Saul and Samuel and, and Hannah and many others and, and begin to learn about uh, how God worked through each individual and what we can learn about who God is with each individual, whether it's God blessing someone for their obedience or passing judgment for their disobedience. We have seen that in many, many ways. And, and we're going to c- conclude today seeing how David was restored after his moment of weakness, his moment of falling into sin, and then turning around and double downing on that sin. But let me ask you, have you ever asked yourself this kind of question? Is there a pathway out of sin? Is there really a pathway to forgiveness? Can God really forgive me for what I have done? Certainly these are questions that may have passed our minds from time to time, and maybe you're dealing with that question currently. Maybe you found yourself in a sin and you're not sure how you're going to get out of it. Maybe you're beating yourself up greatly about a sin because you're a Christian and you know you should know better. Look, I get it. I'm a pastor. I think God's got a sense of humor that I even get to be a pastor because Lord knows I fall short all the time. And when I fall into sin, it makes me feel so inadequate to lead a church. I beat myself up. Why do you keep doing this? You're supposed to be above reproach. Why can't you do better? How can you consider yourself a pastor when you keep doing these things? Today's scripture is a reminder to us all that we can be forgiven. There's forgiveness for all who believe. There's forgiveness for those who repent of their sin and turn to the Lord. Now, just to help us with context, maybe you were here last week, maybe you weren't, just to catch us all up together. Uh, last week we saw that David was enjoying the blessings of victory. They had come off a, a slow winter. Normally there's not a lot of war going on in the winter. But as spring approached, people were going back into war. But David was so confident and was so blessed in that moment that he said, I don't even have to go. I'll just send my own people. I've got great leaders under me who can handle it just fine and come out with the victory because it's going to be that easy. And so David was enjoying the blessings of his kingdom. Everything was great for David. Life was great. And it was so great, in fact, that he let his guard down and allowed himself to fall into sin. Before he knew it, David had committed adultery, which led to the murder of an innocent man. Instead of repenting and seeking forgiveness, David tried to cover up his own sin. And when he could not cover it up, he got rid of Bathsheba's husband and then took in, took in Bathsheba to be his own wife. He thought he would come out looking like a hero, but in reality, God knew what was happening. God, was very, uh, God, God very much knew what was happening. And the scripture says, it ended last week in chapter 11, is saying that, it, that what David did displeased the Lord. But David was now blind to the realities of his sin and 
And God would then have to send Nathan to rebuke David. In order for David to respond in repentance and plead for forgiveness right now, David's not going to do that because he thinks everything is fine. So God sends Nathan to open his eyes to the reality. And that is where we find ourselves today. So if you're with me, let's go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the first seven verses and see what the Lord has in store for us today. Starting in verse 1, it says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe, which he had bought. And he brought, bought it, sorry, he brought it up and grew it up with him and with his children. It used to eat uh, his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him, but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared for it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Verse 7, Nathan said to David, You are the man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory for this day that you've given us, God, that you have brought us together into your house to worship you and read your word. So, God, I pray now as we study your word, as we study this narrative, this conversation between Nathan and David, God, I pray that our hearts uh, will be open to hear this message, our ears will be open to receive it. God, I pray that if there's any blindness in our eyes, God, if there's any blindness in our hearts from the sins that we commit, that we would reveal that, that you would reveal that in us today. And that, God, we would respond faithfully in repentance where we can have forgiveness. God, we thank you for that ability to be forgiven through your son, Jesus. And we pray that today, today the reality of the salvation given to us through Jesus will be revealed to us all. And, God, if there's anyone here who does not know you, that today will be the day of salvation. God, speak to us now. Reveal to us what you will. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen. So there's three things in the scriptures, actually two things in each point that we see and, and that, that God reveals to us. And the first thing is this, is that we see conviction and unrepentance. Conviction and unrepentance. See, the thing we need to understand about God is simply this. God is not going to allow sin to go unconvicted. What I mean is that when there is sin, when we sin, conviction is going to follow. While David sinned and then doubled down on that sin by committing more sin, and then he tries to cover it up, listen, God eventually brings that conviction into his life, and that conviction is coming through Nathan, the prophet. Nathan was the prophet who confronts David, and to do this, Nathan is going to use a parable. And we're familiar with the idea of a parable. Jesus used parables all the time. It's just simply a, a story with a message. And while the story might be made up, the message is as real as ever. Nathan tells a story about two men, one rich, one poor. And wealth was always shown in the amount of livestock a man possessed. So this rich man had many, many livestock. 
He was well off. But this poor man had this one little ewe lamb, literally a little female sheep. And let me tell you, female sheep are not worth much. And this poor man took care of the sheep as if it was worth millions. The Bible says it was like a daughter to him. And when a traveler came to stay with the rich man, instead of the rich man killing one of his own livestock, he proceeds to take this one little female sheep from the poor man. All that he has, he took it, killed it, and used it to serve a meal to the traveler. Now that story would anger all of us. If that was a true story in our own community, that would anger any of us. And it did David. David was so angry, in fact, that he, that he said, that man deserves the death penalty for what he did. That man deserves to die, but before he dies, he has to pay it back fourfold for what he did. While David was so angry at this fake story, he was so angry at this man in this fake story, he could not see that the man in the story was him. He was the rich man with everything he could possibly ever want or need. And he took Bathsheba away from this poor man Uriah. In fact, he took away his life. David is presented with a conviction from the Lord through Nathan. But he cannot see it because his sin has blinded him to reality. And therefore, David is still unrepentant of that sin. David's unrepentance and doubling down in sin has caused him to be so blind to his need for forgiveness. And my question to us today is, what sin are we presently blinded to? What sin have we committed that, that we don't even think twice about, church? Who have we harmed in our sin that we don't even think we've harmed? Sin is a real reality in our lives. And if we're not willing to see it or we are blinded by the effects of it, God is going to open our eyes one day. And for many, it's going to be too late because it'll be before the judgment throne. But God showed grace to David and he opened his eyes in that moment by what Nathan says next. What Nathan is going to say next after this story is what wakes David up to the reality. What does Nathan say? What does it say? He says, verse 7 through 12, it says, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if this were too little, I would have added to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah to Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, for you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So there comes a, a reality finally for David, but also a consequence. 
See, we saw the conviction and the unrepentance, but finally the reality kicks in, and the consequence is being poured out as well. The reality set in that David was the man in the story, and he is the man who took Bathsheba away from Uriah, and he is the man who killed Uriah. And that reality hits him like a ton of bricks. Listen, the reality of sin is not supposed to be soft and sweet. It's not supposed to be something that's sugar-coated. It is supposed to be painful. Because sin is wrong. It is a wrongdoing against others, but ultimately, it is against God. When we sin, we sin against our Creator. And we have to recognize the reality, and we need to accept it. See, so many people... They don't want to go to church. Or they'll call Christians judgy. Because it's better to avoid or deflect the problem than to actually face the reality in our lives. It's it's better to blame others instead of ourselves. David avoided the reality until it finally slapped him square in the face. Nathan relays this message from God to David. He says, Basically, this message from from God through Nathan says this, David, I anointed you king over Israel. I gave everything to you, and and you have truly been blessed, and yet you still rebelled against me. It says that David rebelled against the word of God and has done all these evil things, and he's going to have to face the consequences because of it. In fact, God says, out of your own home will come your enemy." He will lose his family. We, saw, we see all of that play out if you keep reading in 2 Samuel. Look, sin has consequences. Even as believers, we still face consequences on this earth because of sin. We can sit here and pretend that it's just going to wash away and that sin is no big deal. But the reality is it's a very big deal. We cannot avoid or deflect the problem. We cannot ignore the reality because it doesn't solve anything. It only causes the problem of sin to get worse. And so my calling to you from the Lord today as your pastor is simply this. Recognize the sin in your life. Accept the conviction and the consequence. And finally, and this is the last thing here, repent of it so that you can be forgiven by our God. Repentance and forgiveness. Verse 13. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin and you shall not die. After God's message of conviction and consequences laid down, reality finally hits David and he recognizes his sin. It finally hit him what he has done against the Lord. David sinned against his heavenly father and creator, and he responds with repentance that leads to forgiveness. God forgave David for these egregious sins. God forgave David of sins that most of us would struggle to forgive in others. If anyone murdered a loved one of yours, it would be very hard to forgive them. It'd be hard for me. If anyone commits an adultery against a loved one, it would be hard to forgive them. Which is why it's so hard to understand why God would forgive them or even us. Why did God forgive David? Why why did God forgive David? Because he finally confessed his sins before the Lord. 
He finally realized his need for forgiveness. And not only did David realize the need, but he responded faithfully to it. And we see that faithful response out of Psalm 51. In Psalm chapter 51, you can turn there with me. Psalm chapter 51, we see David's response out of this conversation with Nathan. David pens this beautiful psalm as a picture of of confessing our sins, a picture of, of seeking forgiveness, but also responding faithfully from that point forward. So I want to read Psalm 51 to us today. I want us to read it together and see what David actually wrote when the reality of his sin hit him in the face. Psalm 51, verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me, and against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. In this psalm, David repents and pleads for forgiveness. First thing he does is he prays for mercy. He prays that God will blot out his transgressions and wash him thoroughly. And he asks this, why? Because he knows the character of God. As as verse 1 states, David knows that God is a God of abundant mercy and steadfast love. Anyone who's willing to confess their sins to the Lord will experience that mercy and love. David knows that he has sinned and admits it to God. Right? Verse 3 and 4, he says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Notice he doesn't say I sinned against Uriah. He didn't say I sinned against Bathsheba or anyone else. He says what? Against God alone have I sinned. And this is what we do when we sin, church. Yes, others are affected by our sin. But when we sin, we sin against our heavenly Father. David continued to plead that God would create a clean heart within him and and that God wouldn't cast him away. And notice in in verse 13, there's this shift in the conversation. He goes from pleading for forgiveness, grace, and love to now responding in action. 
Look, the overall theme of Psalm 51 is simply this. God, through your love and mercy, will you please forgive me of my sin? I have sinned against you and my heart is stained from that sin. Clean my heart and wash my sin. God, if you will do this, this is the shift, then I will go into this world and teach your ways. God, I will go out into this world and bring sinners to you. David is not going to just ask for forgiveness and leave to continue what he's been doing. David is saying he's going to go out into the world and he's going to reach the lost. He's going to do the will of God. See, I think for many of us, we pray for God's forgiveness, but then we turn around and we keep doing what we were doing before. God, that's my bad, what I did in my house the other day. I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have done that. We turn around, we do it again. God, I should not have snapped at that person. I'm so sorry, God, but then we turn around and snap at someone else. God, I'm sorry for doing the things that you didn't approve of while continuing to do so. Church, that is not repentance. Nor does that lead to forgiveness. There has to be a switch. There has to be an attempt to move away from the sin. And look, I get it. There's going to be moments of relapse. You might find yourself back at that sin in a moment of weakness, but there has to be some attempt to move away from it. There has to be effort in moving away from that sin that we, com- that we are committing to actually doing what God has called us to do. Listen, I'm not saying you have to be perfect because none of us are, including David. David's not perfect by any means. But there has to be a change of heart. There has to be a change from wanting to satisfy my flesh to wanting to satisfy my Creator, God. And this is where we need to get to, church. This is where we need to be if we want to experience forgiveness and grace. Maybe you're in here today and you know that you're not a believer. You know you're lost. You know that you have not lived a day for God whatsoever. And I want to tell you this, if that's you, today can be the day of salvation. Today you can be saved and be restored by God through forgiveness. Oh, Pastor, that sounds great, but you don't have a clue what I've been doing. You don't understand what I did in my life. You don't understand the things that I'm currently doing. There's no way God is going to forgive me because I can't forgive myself and none of you would forgive me. Listen, you are right to say that I don't know what you're going through. I don't know all that's going on in your life. You don't know everything about me in my life either. But what do we know? What can we say with assurance today? I know we're all sinners. And I know that our sin leads us down a path to hell. I know hell is a real place of eternal damnation for anyone who chooses to live their lives for themselves, to bring themselves glory and self-satisfaction. I also know that you can get off of this path to hell, but I also know you can't do that on your own effort. You're going to need help if you're going to get off the path to hell. So God provided salvation through His one and only Son, Jesus. 
God sent his son Jesus to this earth. And when the time was right, Jesus gave up his own life as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus took on that sin that you've been holding on to. And he took on that sin that you say, Pastor, you don't know what's going on. You don't know the sin of my life. Listen, he took all of our sins and he died on the cross because of it. And a few days later, Jesus rose from the dead to overcome that sin penalty. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can be given life. We can be forgiven of our sins. The reason I know you can be saved is not because I know your sin, but because I know the one who died for your sins. Let me say that again, because I want that to sink in for all of us today. The reason I know you can be saved is not because I know your sin, but because I know the one who died for your sin. I know the one who resurrected from the penalty of sin. Do not let Satan tell you that you are not able to be saved. Do not let Satan convince you that you cannot reach salvation. You certainly cannot on your own effort, but you certainly can be saved through Jesus Christ. And this is why I can stand here now and say that today can be the day of salvation. If only you will respond faithfully to God's calling on your life. Christian, if you're dealing with the sin, and if you're able, you need to be coming up to this altar and confessing your sin to the Lord and repenting of it. Maybe today you're in here and you simply just need prayer. Listen, I'm here to pray for you. I'll be right up here up front. If you need prayer for anything, please come and ask for it. Look, we all go through a difficult season and maybe you're in the midst of one. Maybe that sin in your life has been overwhelming you and you need prayer for strength from God. I would love to pray with you. Lost person. If you need salvation today, which you do, God is calling you to it. You need to come out in response. Church, we have to respond to what the Lord is convicting us of. We need to recognize when we need to be cleaned up and plead for God to clean us up. If we do not, we are allowing ourselves to be blinded to the reality that is before us. So my question to all of us today, whether you are a Christian or not, will you respond faithfully to the Lord today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the love that you have shown us through your son and his willingness to die on the cross for our sins. God, we thank you for the mercy and grace you have poured out on us through his sacrifice and resurrection. But God, I pray today that through that sacrifice and resurrection that you would call lost sinners to you. That if there's anyone here that has heard this message, God, and has not accepted the salvation that you provide through your son, that today would be the day of salvation. God, I pray for the believers in this room who may be falling into sin, God, who have allowed sin to creep back into their lives, and I just pray that you would help them to overcome it. That, God, that they would be willing to come and confess that sin to you today at this altar. God, I pray for the one that's here that's going through a difficult season. God, they may just be going through a hard time right now. God, I pray for your hand of comfort upon them. God, in all things, may we give you the honor and the glory. 
by responding faithfully to your message today. It is in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.